Hello and welcome to the Elemental Women in the Arts podcast. I'm Brogan Jessamine, I'm your host. And this week I am incredibly honored to be talking to Ebony Zamani, a filmmaker, photographer, and writer hailing from Philadelphia. She got her start in high school with documentary film and has since been writing and producing films and other media projects via her production company, Pearl's Girl Productions. We're so excited to be talking to her. And without further ado, here she is. Hello and welcome to the Elemental Women in, in the Arts podcast. Today we have Ebony here and we are so excited to have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello everyone, my name is Ebony Zamani. I am a Philly filmmaker, Philly native, born and raised. Um, I've been doing film and media for... <laughs> I don't even know how many years now. I was 16 when I made my first documentary. And um, yeah, it was about youth in the military through a documentary youth project that a local uh, media arts organization put on. And I've been media making, filmmaking ever since then. That's amazing. What made you go into filmmaking in the first place? Obviously you had this organization, but was it an opportunity you wanted to do beforehand or did it come up and you were like, let's try it? Yeah, it was, it was basically like that. It was my very first time, actually. So in high school and when I was a teenager, I was in a lot of programs and I was in a lot of things because I always wanted to go to college. And I knew that, you know, the city can have its own temptations when you're a young person. And so with that goal in mind, I just wanted to keep myself occupied and in things to sort of stay, you know, focused on you know that goal and so I tried a lot of different things in high school like I knew from third grade what I wanted to do I wanted to be a lawyer and so I had intended to go to law school and um but I just you know tried a lot of different things I liked being in different programs I was like in a cotillion like you know like completely you know like white dressed and learned etiquette and you know I did a lot of different programs to try a lot of different things and um yeah the the documentary project um, for youth through the uh, media arts organization that's called Scrap Video Center. Um, that was my first time making film. That was my first time like doing that. And it just seemed like it would be something fun to do. And they were paying us. So it was just like, you know, great, you know, and um, it was about a year long process and I just really enjoyed it. And it was getting the feedback from, because we talked to a lot of veterans for our documentary and uh, it was getting that feedback from them that really sort of set things off for me. Like, oh, I, you know, I could make something like this and, you know, people, you know, can receive it well, or, you know, might, might be, you know, happy about the fact that I've had the opportunity to tell their story where, you know, they haven't before, or it hasn't been before. And so, yeah, I thought about taking it up as maybe a minor or something like that in college, but I was still focused on the law track and, when I was applying for colleges in my junior year, I talked to a lot of lawyers and law students who discouraged me <laughs> because they, I had intended to do like a three and three program. I don't know if they still have stuff like that, but at the time it was like, 
you go to a school for pre-law, you go right to law school, and then that whole process would be six years as opposed to like probably it might be eight years normally. And so I was looking into stuff like that, and they just discouraged me. They were just like, "Don't waste your undergrad doing pre-law. Like <laughs> you can do, you can do anything in undergrad and go to law school." And so then I was like, I had no plan. I was like, "What? Well, what am I going to go? You know, what's going to be my major? Like I just, I just didn't know what to do." And then you know, I thought about, you know, all of the things that I had done in recent years, and I really liked the, you know, filmmaking process, and so I was like, well, maybe I'll just do this in undergrad, you know, and then, you know, I'll get my degree in this, and then I'll go to law school, and, you know, and, you know, long story short, I never got around going to law school. <laughs> I, you know, I've been, I've been doing this ever since. It was that one program, that one program in high school changed it for me, did it for me, and um, yeah. Yeah, and you went to Pace University for undergrad, right? Yes, Pace University, you... where they um, used to record James Lipton's show. I can't remember the name of it now. It's, it's, it's escaping me. But he used to do those really intense interviews with like celebrities. Um, <laughs> and uh, that would like most often, like for a long time now, it's, I don't know, I guess they, they're doing better advertising or getting... I don't know, more students or whatever. But like at the time I went or was going, people had no clue what the school was, had never heard of it. And then, you know, it'd be like, oh, the James Lipton, you know, the school where they shoot that show at. And they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that school. So that was that was like it. Uh, but yeah, I think I think um I think more people like know about the school now, but yeah, I know a few people who went to Pace. When I first moved to New York, the um dorms that building that we shared with my school was also a pace school like dorms on like one side of the building was pace and the other side was us and there was like a weird okay. rivalry between the two <laughs> schools because of course <laughs> right. like who had That's the better funny. side of the building and things yeah like that. we used to I don't know if they still have it but the George, St. George. Yeah, that's George. the building. Oh, they said, yes, that's, I lived, that was one of the dorms I lived at. Yes, like yeah. they had, it was, it was, it was like a bunch of schools. When, when mm -hmm. I was dorming there, it was like five or six schools. Yeah, like there's a lot Institute, It was like St. Francis, St. Francis College. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of schools. So yeah, that was a good time. My, yeah. my days at the George was a good time. Yeah. Right, there was that one kitchen for like yes, everyone. For, <laughs> hundreds of people like it it was it was crazy but it was a good time it was I think it was definitely a unique experience in that uh you don't often get to dorm with other schools like share a dormitory with other schools or so um yeah yeah it was it was it was fun I, I lived in Brooklyn most of the time I, I lived there and went to school there so cool and then you moved when did you move back to Philly from New York did you graduate and just move back or did you spend a little time. Yeah, I was there a little after graduation. Um, I, yeah, I was there a little after graduation. I, I stayed in New York for a little while. I was trying to sort of figure things out. Um, and for people who don't know, as far as film and TV, I, I don't know if it's the same in theater, but I know film and TV um, at the time, it was the case that, you know, the, on average, you starting out in the industry was the idea was that you intern full time and then you know you work your way up from the bottom and maybe within a three-year period you might get a, a full-time job somewhere i coming from my background did not have that luxury i had to work full-time and work my way through college to even pay for college so there was no way i was going to be able to live anywhere in new york city <laughs> not even at that time i mean that was about 10 years ago now you know 
um, and intern full time. I work for somebody for free full time and be able to maintain myself. Um, and so there were a few opportunities that I was looking into um, around the time that I was debating on whether I was going to move or, you know, stay. And it just wasn't going to work out for me financially at the time. And so um, that was ultimately the reason I ended up moving back. I probably would have stayed a couple of years longer if I had had a, a good job or something like that. But yeah, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't afford it, honestly. So it's a lot, especially, I, I think it's, I'm not sure. Yeah. Theater, I think is different. I think it depends if you're doing like musical theater or if you're doing like plays and stuff like that. But yeah, the whole like free labor and still having to hold down a survival job of whatever kind, you end up working 80, 90 hours a week, no matter what. And it's just not necessarily sustainable um, when you're it's just not being paid. <laughs> it's, that, it's that at all. It just, I just, I, so, you know, that ended up um, being the case I had. Actually, I was only originally going to make a temporary move back to Philly. And then I was looking to either go out to LA or to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, that was originally my plan, but it was like coming back here. Um, I just connected with so many people who were doing indie media, indie film. I didn't even know that was really, you know, going on and buzzing like it was here in Philly. And so I was like, oh, this this might be like something, you know, this this might be something that I'm interested in or something that, you know, I can do and navigate. And and I think that, you know, as time has gone on this last decade and with like, you know, technology changing and you'll be making movies from almost anywhere. And so it's only been like happening more frequently, like the context, the connects, the people that I've worked with and I even volunteered with when I first came back, um, you know, we're working more, you know, there's more work available, there's more opportunities available. We're collaborating on our own projects more often. So, so yeah, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was, it was a good decision for me in the long run. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people who, you know, thought I was crazy at the time. They're like, all the work is here. And I'm like, well, I can, it's not that far. You know, the commute is not that far. And I've, I've had quite a few gigs in New York since I've been back. And I'm back and forth sometimes. Sometimes I'm in DC, sometimes I'm in New York. But, you know, I'm like pretty, I'm up and down the East Coast, like doing like mostly, like I said, indie stuff. Um, and um, just recently got a few calls for, you know, like shows temporarily in New York and so like I said it's the commute is pretty easy but it's about an hour and a half or something on the train right from New York well Penn Station to yeah if you take Amtrak it's actually only 45 minutes but um yeah any any other route whether you drive or take you know public transit or anything like that might be hour and a half to two hours depending on you know I mean, there's parts of New York that that's how long it takes from the outer boroughs into the city. So that's true. That's why that's why I say it's like by the time, right, by the time you do that, like I'm already I'm already here. So, you know, Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, uh, it was it was a good decision for me at the time. And um, yeah, when you're working on projects, is there a particular process that you like to follow or does it? vary depending on who you're collaborating with or what position you're working specifically? So for me, I feel like, um, yeah, I think it varies. I think it depends on what my role is and, and what project I'm, I'm working on. But I, I tend to try to have like a sort of regular routine as far as like, so with indie stuff, it 
for me personally, if I'm writing, directing, and producing, it's usually my own. My my process is a little longer, a little more intense. I'm really usually immersing myself in whatever genre I'm looking to write or working on at the time. Um, I'm reading books, I'm watching interviews, I'm reading scripts, I'm watching movies and watching TV shows. Uh, you know, I'm looking for, you know, inspiration. I'm looking for ways to sort of improve on what I may already have written out um, and, you know, outlined as the story. I'm, you know, going out pretty regularly or just talking to, you know, in conversation with friends or family, um, just trying to make sense of like what I'm working on at the time. Um, and just doing doing that deep dive uh, for me, um, and so that you know pulling from everybody and everything that I'm absorbing at the time and processing it and it, making it make sense for my what my particular story. Um, so it's not going to be a regurgitation of anybody else's work per se or any one conversation or interaction, but you know will sort of be a mush of like okay. This is where I'm pulling from here and, you know, having time to sit with myself and like internally check in to say, you know, like what, you know, what am I getting from, from myself, from source, you know, I think everybody who's, who believes in some sort of higher power or um, sort of says that, you know, that sort of internal sort of tap in is really like tapping into, you know, the universe or, you know, a higher source or, you know, whatever you call God or, you know, higher being, if, if that's what you believe. And so that's, that's my particular um, process for, for my own work. But when I'm called in to work on crew for somebody else's uh, work, I'm usually digging into like, okay, what are my responsibilities and applications? What might I be able to contribute, you know, and the, um, you know, if it happens that I'm able to contribute creatively, you know, what, can can I contribute? Um, I'm usually looking at a person's previous work um, to try to sort of make sense of, you know, how they work, um, what they're interested in. I'm having conversations with them if I'm able to just about a process because you want the work relationship to be collaborative and to make sense and to ultimately have what everybody is bringing to the table contribute to this larger uh, creation, this larger story that we're all working on and, and trying to, you know, bring to life. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so, so I'm doing a lot of studying, a lot of digging, a lot of questioning. I'm, I'm a person that's going to ask questions. And yeah. I think like what's been interesting for me about being on industry sets is that people have been doing their jobs a long time. And so much of like filmmaking is like blue collar work, you know, people are, pulling and pushing heavy everything, you know, and setting things up and breaking it down and constructing things. And so a lot of it is like blue collar work and people are just used to going in like that. And I can tell when somebody's just like, you know, this is my job, this is how I make my money, you know, this is how I feed my family. And it's often a case just because of how things are like, you know, the, all of the things that we know about that have run rampant in the industry for too long, unfortunately, you know, the disregard, the disrespect, the abuses, the assaults, the harassments, um, that it's it's like that a lot of time is very, it feels very much like people are piecing things together. 
as opposed to it be really being a space that's conducive to just human beings coming together and bringing their energy and putting, you know, putting together something that, you know, everybody can be proud of. And that's not to say that, you know, people don't do good work and they aren't great at their jobs because that's not the case at all. But, um, you know, it is the case, you know, rather, but um, that they're that they're good at what they're doing. But um, just seeing that contrast has been interesting for me. And for me, I don't care. I'm still just going to bring that energy. And I'm usually able to do that just by, you know, like, oh, I'm new. I don't know. No, you know, because people don't know me anyway. You know, I haven't had a big project or nothing to work on where I'm at the home, where I'm directing or producing or anything like that. You know, I'll get there in time. But usually, you know, I'm an assistant of somebody's or, you know, working, doing PA work or something like that on industry stuff. So, you know, I use that to my advantage and I'm coming with the, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to find out what you're doing. I want to, I'm interested in how you do your job. Like I'm interested in how you work with these people. Like, you know, and, but I, I feel like it breaks that up. You know, I, I, I think that you can always feel until, I'm not surprised when certain shows don't do well or they're received by audiences in a certain manner it's like what was the set like you know like what was what was the production like you know because that's real it's like everybody is utilizing your energy and and what you have and putting it into this thing and and if it's bad energy and it's a lot of madness going on people are gonna feel it you know so I I, I do my best when I'm in those spaces to you know either first of all not have myself in the space where you know people are giving me a heads up to begin with and I've had those conversations with certain people I know who work more industry gigs than not like you know oh there's opportunities coming up but you know the executive producer or you know this person or you know he's known to be like this with you know the women in this group I'm like no thanks I'm not I'm not gonna put myself in that situation there's, there's no reason for that but <laughs> and then you know if I happen to you know you know get a gig and and things like that are going on you know, I'm just doing my best to, you know, navigate this space. Um, but yeah, that's that's my been my preference for for independent work because you just you just have more control over those things and those spaces. And being as though, you know, I have my own production company, it's the case that, you know, I'm always adamant and serious about what type of set I have, who I have working with, you know, with me and with other people. Um, that's very important. I make that very clear um, to people from the very beginning. Like there will be no tolerance for any sort of any foolishness or nonsense. So, you know, come correct. <laughs> and you know, like, ask, do you have like particular like here, like the core values that this set must maintain? And if it's not, you're out the door. Yes, no, no isms whatsoever. You know, we're not, no, you know, no isms whatsoever. Like, you know, we are here to work together and to bring the best of ourselves to this particular project. And, you know, there will be no harassments or no, you know, misgendering of individuals, you know, no talking about, you know, this particular racial group is like this or like that. This is none of that, <laughs> you know, uh, whatsoever. And, um, you know, it, it's things happen, you know, uh, people don't know everything there is to know. And of course, inevitably, when you bring together a group of people, there are going to be, you know, run ins you have. But I feel like, you know, it's just about how you handle things and how people handle things, you know, um, being accountable for, for your behavior, um, you know, talking things out. Um, you know, making sense of, 
okay, this has happened. What's the best, you know, plan of action, you know, with regards to those who have potentially been harmed? Um, you know, none of us can guarantee that harm will not happen ever, you know, but you do your best to, to maintain that. Um, I'm, I'm heavy handed in that regard. And I, I, you know, I do my best to, I, I, I'm a pretty even kill person. I'm very chill, laid back. That's how I prefer to be. Um, but with regard to like, I know that this is how things are going to have to go in order for this thing to happen. There's going to be no room for error there. Right. <laughs> and that's just, and I think you just have to be like that and be okay with that. Um, and I think that that can be difficult, especially for women, because we're so conditioned socially to to want to be liked and want to have everybody like us and admire us and think we're fun and good to be around. And, you know, personally, if that's, you know, if that's your thing, then okay. You know, that's, that's to each is their own. But um, I feel like in a work setting or environment, in an environment where you have to be responsible and accountable for other people, um, for a location, for, you know, many things, you have to put your foot down and, and certain things just can't be negotiated, so. I agree. I think that it's a, it feels like a difficult balance at times. I think there are some days you're like, I'm so okay with this. And the other days where you're like, I wish it didn't have to be this way. Right. Um, but yeah, are there particular stories that you like to focus on when you're working on like your own work and your own productions and producing? Are there certain things? Oh, yes. I, I'm normally, so a lot of my work uh, is of right now uh, centers Black women. Um, and I think that's just my personal, so my own personal work. I'll say that because with my production company, it's not just me producing my own work. Um, I am producing the work of other people. So for me personally, um, my most of my narratives center Black women. And I think that's just me writing from my own experience and my own point of view. Um, I have other um, Black creatives on board um, and who are a part of the production company who, you know, are telling other Black stories. So, you know, they may be telling queer Black stories. They may be telling stories of, um, you know, Black men. Um, and, um, and yeah, th and, and those stories may be coming from their perspective. They might be telling stories, uh, you know, like coming age stories about, you know, their own youth and sort of drawing from that. Um, but yeah, my, my particular mission vision, I, I get them mixed up sometimes <laughs> with my production company is just, um, I, I say we produce motion pictures that explore the nuances of black life in America. And, um, I've always been, that's just something that I've always wanted to do. Like since I was younger, I've always been, I think, obsessed a little with like images of black people and like wondering like what the stories behind certain photos were certain video clips and you know like I grew up watching a lot of like like tv shows and movies and things like that like the 90s was like the last time there was like this huge you know influx and surplus of like you know black filmmakers or films in general being made films and tv shows being made that start black people or were about centered black folks and so, you know, I think just growing up in the era, it was just like, this is it for me. You know, this is it for me. Like, this is this is something that's of interest to me. But I've also just always, I didn't realize until recently, I was talking to, um, I was talking to one of my brothers, um, that I've just, I've watched a lot of TV and film in my life, like a lot, a lot, a lot. When I was younger, like, I know so many, like, old 
shows because I, I like watched Nick at Night religiously when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, I just, I think I've just always been interested in, in that and intrigued by that. I used to, you know, like when Jet Magazine was still out and um, Jet Ebony Essence were regulars in our houses, any house I lived in, my grandmother's house, you know. So like, I just always like looked for those magazines and would read them intently and look at the photos and things like that. And so it's funny to think about like being in a space now because it's like, I'm, that's what I'm doing <laughs> and that's what I, that's what I'm looking to do. But I, you know, just recently made that connection. And so that's important for me just because again, I know that, you know, in spite of the fact that, you know, for quite some time now, every now and again, not, not frequently, but like it's, it's been the case that, you know, even in the times that we've seen black people on screen in the past um, in Hollywood specifically, that, you know, nobody behind the scenes was black. you know, these weren't necessarily black stories per se, they starred black people, but, you know, everybody involved was not black. And so it's just like, how are we really having people's experiences told and stories told and their imagery used? And people have no idea what their experiences are like, right? Um, and so I think it's important that um, we tell our own stories. Um, I think it's important that if people are going to tell the stories of other people that those people be in, in the room as well, you know? Um, but for me, it's specifically important that we have spaces and places that are just our own. And I think that's just important culturally across the board. And it's odd to me that a lot of the times we get flack about that. And I think that's just because, I don't know, for some reason when we are, we are when things are going on, like people, it's always in the news. It always ends up being in the news, no matter what's going on. I don't know that you would think there are many other people in this country with the way, you know, it's like anything be going on, it's like, it's like national news. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is going on in other communities? Like, why, why is it always on the news? I don't understand that, you know? So it's just the case that, you know, I, I think that that's just necessary no matter what, you know, I think women need their own spaces. I think people of other racial backgrounds, you just need your own spaces and places because, you know, it's, it's important for us not to, people see things like they hear things like that and they jump to, oh, segregation, da, 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 da. it's really not about that. It's about being able to embrace who you are fully and present, being able to present that to the world from a solid foundation and say that, you know, this is who I am and it's different from who you are, but there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and that we can only best service each other and engage and communicate with one another and be in some sort of community or relationship if we're solidly, comfortably who we are, honestly and earnestly. And just who a person is, is deeply, you know, rooted in who they are culturally, where they're from, what religion they practice, what foods they eat, you know, and so, and so that's, that, that in my mind, that's the perspective that it should be coming from, and that's where I'm coming from with it. It's not about excluding anybody. It's just to say that some things in the world should just be specifically for certain groups. And then from those foundations and from those spaces, now we're able to share with the world. Now we're able to engage with each other and, you know, sort of have more diverse spaces and places, you know, but I, I don't know that you can really do that. Can you really truly show up as who you are in the world um, if you're not deeply rooted in, in where you come from and who your people are? And so that's 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 why it's important to me. And, and that's that's why my mission and vision is what it is for my production company. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
obviously I have a women focused production company. So I understand that process of like, there's just times when like, I am a woman and I want to be, have the stories around me that I am producing are centered in that aspect. Um, But yeah, that's, I love hearing you talk. I just like listening. Um, that is hilarious because you know I was I was just thinking I was just thinking about that in my head. Not because not because you just said that, but literally I was just thinking in my head. I was like, I was like, I wonder, I wonder if this is going to sound pretty good or people are gonna be giving me feedback about that. Only because literally just last week I was I was um I did like a virtual um pop-in for a QA for um a film festival that one of my short films screened in. And yeah, we ended up talking for a long time and she was just like she used to like, you know how some people have like those high pitched voices that sounds like like somebody scratching nose on the chalkboard. And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, yeah, you're like, you have like the opposite thing with that. It's like, I, I love hearing you talk. Like I could just listen to you. And that's hilarious to me because that, it happens to me all the time. I you think it's the funniest boy. thing in the yeah. world because I, I, as far as I know, like I always say personally, I don't know everybody as you know, but I've, I've never come across anybody who likes the sound of their own voice. Like I've recorded a lot of people over the years and nobody, and I, I guess it's just because we sound differently to ourselves inside of our bodies than we actually sound, in the, you know, out in the world. And like, it's, so it's just, it's always going to be like hilarious to me that like, you know what I mean? It's a weird thing. Cause it's like, okay, you like my voice, but I've heard that so much recently. So I was like, you know, one of my, one of my cousins told me recently, they were like, you need to embrace it. Stop running away from it. Do, do like a radio show with something else. <laughs> Clearly, people going to tune in just to listen to me talk, apparently. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, apart from, like, your voice is incredible in general, it's got, like, a really great grounded quality to it. Um, but apart from that, it's also you're just, you are talking from you, and I think that's also, like, that's so important. It doesn't feel yeah. like you're putting on a front when you're talking yeah. about your production company and why you're doing it and yeah. all of that. Um, it's just very genuine, which is yeah. nice. Um, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I aim for. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm from, I'm from Philly. I'm from the East Coast. I, I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a posture and is, is a difficult thing. <laughs> it's just like, what you see is what you get, yeah. you know, so. Um, when it comes to like, when you're producing, like you just said that your short film is in a festival or was in a festival, depending on when. Um, like festivals last different times in COVID land. Like sometimes they're online for like a month and then sometimes they're not. Um, it's been very mm-hmm. odd. Yeah, it's but yeah, t- the timelines be like. When you're choosing what festivals to submit your films for, do you have like a, you look for specific things in those film festivals or are, is it very much like, oh, this, my film fits into the genre and I will submit it? Yeah, normally, so... Uh, with film festivals, and I, I would advise any filmmaker or anybody who's going to be in filmmaking to to be um, intentional about film the film festival circuit. It can be great for you, exposure, connections, um, you know, monetary prizes if they're attached to the festival for your film. But it's the it's just, it's the case that I think you just have to be intentional one. And I think for me, my strategy with film festivals is always okay it's not necessarily about, and then people get discouraged too sometimes with, oh, I want to apply to Sunday and I want to apply to Can, and, you know, I didn't get into them. So, you know, blah, blah, blah else. I'm like, don't do that to yourself. There are a million and one film festivals these days. Film Freeway is full of film festivals. Um, You know, if you start at the top of the year, 
you know, mark outline on your calendar, like, okay, I'm working on this. These are the film festivals that I'm interested in applying to. The earlier you apply, the cheaper it is. And then there are a lot of them that honestly are in between like zero and $10 to submit, you know, and then your work is out there, maybe somewhere, you know, maybe halfway across the world when you're not, but you know, you never know, you know, what it'll do for you. And so just be intentional about like, you know, what your reasoning is for, for applying for various film festivals. And also I would just say to look at the film festivals, like either go if you can, if you've been previously, check out the work that has won or has shown before, or a lot of times the film festivals will have their own website so you can go and look and see, okay, what are they about? What type of work do they accept? And that way, you know, like, okay, I'm going to submit these particular films or this film to this particular festival or these festivals. Um, and that that way you're not just, <laughs> you know, just like submitting films to a bunch of film festivals that, you know, you might get denied from left and right, or it just doesn't make sense for their particular festival because some of them have things and then, you know, intentional like groups that they center around. So, you know, just be strategic about how you apply and when you're applying and, and what you're applying for. And that's, that's my, that's always my um, sort of go-to. Yeah. Um, that's something when I was first submitting to film festivals for our film, it was very overwhelming to go on film freeway and see how many there are. Um, and there are, there's lots so of them. There's so many. And like the watch list feature was great. Cause I was like, okay, I don't know yet, but I'll watch this and see <laughs> yes. what's happening. I save it for later, come right. back to it. I might apply, I might not. Yeah, my, my saved list and watch list are, yes, it's long. Yeah. Um, when, so we've talked about film festivals, when you're beginning, the very beginning processes of like going into production. So in like, I guess like figuring out your budget and stuff like that and grants and everything like that, how do you uh, facilitate that with yourself and then any other collaborators that you're also working with um do you have a you're like this is my 10 step process or <laughs> oh, for uh, like pre-production yeah. um I have so I have like templates um for like outlines and treatments and certain steps I have my like equipment checklist that I always go back to um but I feel like, again, like every project is different. I've not really worked consecutively back to back, which is funny because that's always been a thing for me. Like I've always wanted to work on a lot of different things, like work on, you know, things of different genres, a different subject matter. So I don't know that I've worked on two or three of the same type of film um, back to back. And so if, if that was the case, I probably would have like, you know, like this is what my process normally is. And I think overall, again, it's just like generally you want to have like things that you're going to do, like you said, do your equipment checklist, um, you know, make sure you have your outline treatment, make sure you have a certain number of meetings that you're going to have um, with collaborators, um, you know, if, if it's narrative, carve out time for rehearsal with your actors, um, you know, I, I think there are things, yeah, you know, do your budget, redo your budget, redo your budget. <laughs> um, you know, budgeting some extra somewhere just in case. Yes. Um, try to be intentional about getting your behind the scenes for your social media as well as 
for people ask for behind the scenes everywhere. So if you're not used to that or you haven't been doing that, do that. <laughs> because, you know, grant applications ask for it. People want to see it. You know, sometimes, it, like you said, if you have the business structure, like, you know, like we do, um, it's the case that, you know, banks or uh, organizations that give out loans want to see, you know, your business and action. They want to see you working um you know to verify that you know this is legitimate and you're you know you have some stake in this and you have some time in this um so you know just just i think on average just checking like average p's and p's and q's um but besides that it's, it's always different for me it depends it's like what do we need you know like what does the story need what you know what's going to help bring this to life and you know it might be different collaborators every time it might be the case that um you know you end up working on like i was doing narrative for a while and i'm just getting back into documentary so switching back in the documentary requires a whole <laughs> different set of like energy and resources and context um and so it's the, i think for me it's, it's different with every project there are things that are similar that i always do but like my process is never the same and i think that I don't know, for me, I personally feel like that's the art right. of it. I think I feel like filmmaking is like an art and a science. People are mostly, I think industry standard is like be more concerned with the, the business and the math. But I think if you have a decent sort of combination of those things, more so the art and the science, then, you know, you'll have a, a, a nice piece of work. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in that case, that there's always going to be a little subjective. Things are going to be a little different each time that you go to do it. Um, yeah. Um, I was also going to ask, because I've been so curious to everyone's questions, answers to this, of like, how do you like balance the like industry life and then like family life and making sure you're seeing, like taking care of yourself? And, like, <laughs> <laughs> all of that it's been really interesting to talk to people about it especially since like the whole pandemic of like people have been like so much more reflective of like what they were doing before versus what they're going to try and do now right well <laughs> as of late I haven't been <laughs> been great with the with the balance um I'm exhausted right now <laughs> if I'm honest it's been another marathon week for me I have a shoot tomorrow actually shoot tomorrow shoot Saturday um, and, um, it's just, I think it just depends. I think that sometimes you'll have to be okay with sacrificing certain things. Sleep is usually the first thing to go. Um, I, but I, I do feel like, I, I do feel like, like to sort of, um, not quote, uh, paraphrase, um, some, uh, women business owners that I was on a webinar with like earlier this year when they were talking about work-life balance and I think that's always challenging for women um, because we usually take on more and we usually have more responsibilities um, when you start talking about home life uh, intimacy romantic partnerships and children um, it's that you know everything is always going to be important you know um but everything is an emergency and you have to figure out how to prioritize sometimes down to the day and hour and be okay with it so you can plan you can plan out your year you can plan out your month you can plan out your week 
Um, and in any particular moment, all you have is that time. So you have to decide, okay, today I wanted to do, you know, I want to work on my business plan. I wanted to, you know, take my kids to the park. I want to cook dinner, work out. And then I also have three meetings. And then, you know, you might get a call like, hey, oh, there's an emergency with a family member. Half your day is gone. You have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that and be able to recoup, reschedule and make sense of, okay, how can I, you know, just reshuffle my schedule and then prioritize what I need to prioritize for the day. And that was so difficult for me. Once upon a time. So I'm not speaking from a place. Uh, this is a, a reformed perfectionist um, you talk to here. That was so difficult for me because I was always a person who like goal-oriented. I plan something out. That's how it's going to go, period. <laughs> and then it's the case that, you know, life happens, right? You learn, I think, as you become an adult and as you get older, that there's very little bit very few things and very, you know, that we are in control of in this life. And so we can only be in control of what we can be in control of. And so, you know, if you have your day planned out where it's like, you know, I'm going to take care of myself today, I'm going to take care of the kids, I'm going to do a little business stuff. And then tomorrow it'll be all about business and, you know, I'll do a little self-care. I think you have to just figure it out day, day to day sometimes. Um, but you just have to be okay with the fact that life happens. And that, you know, when you are exhausted, you need to rest and not necessarily always push yourself through exhaustion um, and just and just be OK with that. And I think that the more that I have yielded to the universe <laughs> on this particular matter, the easier things have become. Like it would just it would just bother me so much in the past where it'd be like I plan this out. Things need to go like this and this is how it needs to go. Um, because I said I was going to do this and da, da, da. you know we, we can be really hard on ourselves sometimes I just had to give that up like three years ago <laughs> finally and I think this year I'm just really starting to get a hang of it honestly it's like like right now my to-do list today <laughs> is probably 20 items too long I might be halfway through it right now it's six o'clock I don't know that I'm going to get to the 10 other things today but guess what I got through what I could get through, whatever I can't get through, it's not going to get done. It has to be reprioritized and rescheduled for another day. And that's what's that's what it's going to be. I can't, you know, push. I'm, it's not a day I can feel it in my body. It's not a day where I can push through exha ex exhaustion. When I'm ready to tap out tonight, I have to go to sleep. And you just have to be okay with that. And you're going to have some days where there have been days for me too, where it's like, I can just keep going. Like I'm up all day and all night and I'm like doing a million things, but like I have the energy level for it. And so I'm like, all right, let's run with that. You know, but I, I, I think you just have to be okay with being in control of what you can be in control of. And that, you know, every day's priorities is not gonna look the same. Everything is always gonna be important to us, but we're not gonna get to everything every single day. So you prioritize what you can at the time and leave everything else where it may be you know and that's even like I said included at times you know um having to turn down you know um people close to me you know about things like you know or not being able to make certain things happen and just having to be okay with it like you can't we can't be all things to everybody I know we are great at multitasking <laughs> as women and we want to be everybody's superheroes including our own 
And it's just no such thing. <laughs> it's just no such thing. So you just have to, you know, prioritize what you can and, and, and find balance in each moment and each day when you can. That's that's the balance. That's the balance. Did you get things done by the end of the week? Do you feel good about more than a month? You know, do you feel good about where you are in your life personally? Do you feel good about where you are in your business life? Do you feel good about where you are? And, you know, it's funny. It's like I have a particular planner I use that, you know, I, I go through my weeks and days and I write out what's going on with me. And at the end of the month, they always ask you to assess where you are relationally, spiritually, um, personally, and um, I think like work business, you know, sort of. Thing. And, you know, I'm honest when I'm scoring myself, like going down, the, you know, like how often this month did I do this, did I do that, did I do this? And I can, and I always go back, you know, to prior months and I can see like, okay, I was doing better at this last month and I'm not doing so, so good at this this month, but my numbers are higher in other areas. So that's just what happens. It's like, right. you're trying to find balance and like, you're not going to be evenly balanced in all things at any particular time. It's not going to be an even quarter, you know, these four right. sectors of my life, they're all 25%. Some months it's going, it's going to be like 30, 20, 40, 10. The next month it'll be like 30, 50, 40, you know? So it's just like, and, and that's just what it is, you yeah. know? So yeah, yeah, that's, I'm also one of those people who has ridiculous to-do lists, um, where I'm like, this is definitely too long. If anyone were to look at this, they would think that I was just very intense because it's right. just like everything. I'm like, I have to write it all down. Otherwise I will forget. I'm like, I need it. Uh, okay. I will forget. Yeah. If I don't write stuff down, I have stickies. I have notebooks. Like, when am I even going to go back to the notebooks? I don't know sometimes, but I have stuff written down everywhere. I have to, because it's just like, otherwise I'll, I'll forget or I won't come back to it. Anytime I do some, you know, go back to my notebooks and stuff like that, not as frequently as I would like for as much writing as I do, but you know, I feel you on that. It's just like, I never finish them all. I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, that's fine. I can like, I do the same thing. I like talk through myself. I'm like, it's fine. You can get to it tomorrow. It do, is it is it going to be really intense if you don't do it right now? No. Right. Okay. Does it need to be done tomorrow? Can it be done next week? Like, right. <laughs> right. Like this is all important today, but what really needs to get done today? And what is really important that can get done next week, like you said, or two weeks from now? Right. I really had to start doing it like that. It's like, yeah, you know, I do need to get to this, but it's like, that's, that's, that's not a priority right now. And like, for me too, I've also just had to learn to, um, seasonally my schedule has to shift. Um, and I didn't know that I was, I was a person who needed that, but I do need that. I need that time to, because for a certain part of the year, it's just like, I'm just going, I'm up and make the summer is my favorite time of year. So like when spring is approaching, I get a new found energy because I'm like, oh yes, my favorite time of the year is coming. So I'm going to be working. I'm going to be up, be at it. I don't care for the winter. <laughs> I've lived in, 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 I've lived 31 through 31 winters. I still don't like it. Um, And so seasonally, my schedule has to change in order for me to, you know, just, have time to do certain things that I haven't done in other seasons and other times and to be in a good space mentally and emotionally um because you know the winter can be very taxing um on me mentally and emotionally so yeah well it's cold and dark it's the worst yeah which is like right two 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 of two of my worst (laughs) 
two things that I can't stand. Like that time all the time. It's not great. I love the sun. Like I love the sun. I love being out in the sun. Like I'm a summer baby. So I think that that's like summer, right? I think that's, that's what it is for me. It's just like winter is like complete opposite of that. And I just be like, uh. Um, So um, is there, so I've been asking other people this as well, because I think it's really interesting of the arts, like in general, right, the general arts of every genre of art that you can possibly imagine is so entrenched and like ingrained in us as human beings. But I was wondering if you met someone, like an alien came from outer space, they had <laughs> never come across what the arts were before, mm-hmm. how would you describe it to them? That is interesting. How would I describe arts to somebody who did not know what it was? <laughs> putting you on the spot (laughs) right right I'm like oh I should have came up with an answer for this one um I I, I feel like art is is like self-expression I think it's humans trying to make sense of our existence um and what you know I, I guess some of the more existential questions uh that life that we have about life and that life presents to us I think that we are trying to make sense of the mess that we've made of of our own lives of our own planet um and how best to sort of get back to some sort of um level um with it and and I think it's just I think I think it's it's anything you can sort of uh like I said create with your hands with your heart with your mind spiritually um uh <laughs> it's okay you don't <laughs> yeah I'm just I'm like I'm, I'm like trying to think like really trying to think of like that is so such a good question it's probably one I need to write down because I think having that own definition for myself will will help me you know as I navigate my own sort of uh artistic life and career because it's like who doesn't know what the arts are but right we're talking about aliens we're talking about the possibility (laughs) of something or beings who what is this right and it's just like I don't you know because it's like it's such a big part of my life and who I am but all of my lives it's like what it's like that for me it's like the thread through you know it's 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 the thing that we don't have to we don't necessarily have to study. We don't necessarily have to be educated about. We don't necessarily have to, um, you know, discover or make sense of. It's just what comes from us. It's, it's like what inspires us to make and to bring to life with our hands, with our bodies, from our minds, from our spirit, from our hearts. Um, you know, we're trying to make sense of life, you know, trying to trying to make life more bearable. For, for all of us. Um, and I don't think it's often looked at that way. Certainly been, you know, I've, I've, I was, I spent the end of last year and most of this year on, um, in Philadelphia, the uh, councilman Isaiah Thomas's arts and culture task force. And it was put together by way of, you know, wanting to help out artists and, you know, um, small arts organizations and organiza- arts organizations in the city stay afloat and, and you know, stay alive. Um, and historically, we had found out, I won't get into it too, too much, but, you know, historically, it had been a case that, you know, the arts have arts and culture have been underfunded and, you know, devalued. 
uh, people are barely able to you know, sustain themselves, we end up losing a lot of our creative capital to other cities because people move, they leave, they, you know, they're able to produce their music or make their art, make a living off of it other places. But, you know, Philadelphia hasn't been a hub and a space that's respect, that real type of respect and love and regard for the arts and artists in the city. And, and it was even funny looking at previous um, mayors and their language around arts and culture and when you know budget cuts had to come and things had to be cut and, and that type of thing it was the case that arts and culture was referred to as leisure you know um, and not something that and I think that that is not just something that is a problem in Philadelphia but I think overall that's sort of the idea in general you know that it's this leisurely luxurious activity um, and it's not really a necessity, but anything that we create is technically art, right? And creativity keeps us alive. It is it is the blood flow, you know, of, of our life and of our society, you know? And so it's just like, it's interesting to me that it's not looked at that way and it's often um, undervalued and looked at as this sort of side activity, but you know, creativity I, I, in my mind if I was not able to create if I wasn't able to imagine and just you know make things happen for myself my everyday life I, I don't know where I'd be personally so yeah um I think that's been something that's been interesting to see there's been a bit more of a shift in that over the last year of people starting to realize that the arts and creativity is not just a hobby that people have. It's like very much a survival for so many people. Um, and you're right, like it is anything, right? Like it's anything you can create. Like I was thinking like vases or like different types of pottery is just very like, it's beautiful. And like we right. surround ourselves with things that make us feel good or are like, we're like attracted to in some capacity, whether right. it's like what you're wearing or how you like everything right. like that. It's all very artistic right and if we didn't have it like what would we be what would we do like if we didn't right. have music for example what would we be it's very right. it's a weird right. thing to try and like comprehend and so it's been interesting right. to hear it all and I think it has started maybe I mean I'm hopeful we'll say I'm hopeful that there is a beginning of a shift yes it's gonna I... be a little bit more of a okay no this was something that got us through this whole situation right maybe <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's like, right, because it's like, and to, to quote some of my um, colleagues in, in, in the task force and other artists that we work with to help, you know, make the report happen and, and, you know, talked about our own findings is that, you know, when the whole world went dark, you know, arts were looked to to keep us going, right, to keep us alive, to keep people up, to keep people in good spirits. So you can't say that it's not a necessity. You can't say that it's not a thread through when, the, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's just an everyday part of our life. And maybe that that's the reason that we take those things for, for granted, but it's the truth. It's, it's like, right. We buy things all the time because we like the way they look. We like the way they feel because they make us, you know, happy because they inspire us because they remind us of good times in our lives because, you know, we're working through our own trauma and trying to make sense of things. So it's just like it's so many different things. It could be a paint color. It could be, you know, a lipstick color. It could be, you know, 
um, pattern dishes. Like, but it's it, all of that is, you know, it's art, it's creativity. It's somebody's work is something that somebody wanted to bring to fruition is something that somebody wanted to contribute to their society. And so, right. you know, <laughs> it's very important. It's very important. Um, I wanted to ask what you're up to now and how can people like get in touch with you, support you, support all the things this is your promote everything moment yes yes thank you uh shameless plugs as I like to say um more of us needs need to be shameless in our in our pursuit of of you know just sharing our work um and our art with 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 other people and again that's one of those things that I'm working on because <laughs> I've definitely been hiding forever <laughs> But, um, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I'm at a point now with, you know, working regularly with other collaborators and, you know, putting so much work into things and, and getting older where it's just like, um, yeah, you're not going to be able to hide no more. You got to get out in the world and let people know what you're doing. So <laughs> you can find me, people can find me on most platforms I'm on a lot of things I don't know that I'm on everything I might there might be some <laughs> inactive pages if you find me on certain, certain platforms but you can find me um by uh you know Ebenezer Mani normally uh E-B-O-N-I-Z-A-M-A-N-I uh type that in Instagram Twitter Facebook LinkedIn I'm there um, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel up. I'm working on it. Uh, so, you know, I also have my website, ebenezermoney.com. Um, I have two small businesses. Uh, so I have my uh, photo, I have my photo video services business uh, that's called Easy Exposures. And, you know, we basically do so there are just four main areas because you can end up doing photography, videography for everything. So I do a, we do events, <laughs> um, you know, personal portraits, what I like to call life moments. So like baby showers, weddings, engagements, things like that. Um, for businesses, um, you know, if you have a service that you need photography or videography done for and for products. So, you know, products that small businesses or sole proprietors might sell. So those are our four areas. Um, and easy exposures, you know, you can spell it just like you would sound the letter E, the letter Z, the word exposures, Instagram, Facebook, you know, we're around, I'm working on a website, <laughs> revamping the website, but you know, if you ever need those services in the Philadelphia area, feel free to reach out. Um, I have my baby, which is really what I've been passionate about and really have wanted to do and am doing finally, um, which is Pearls Girl Productions. Pearls Girl, so it's Pearls Girl, as in I am Pearls Girl. Um, my great-grandmother's name was Perlina Rogers. She passed uh, five years ago now. And um, when I was looking to name the production company, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to name it. And I thought a lot about her. I thought about her work ethic. I thought about all of the things that she sacrificed and did for our family. She was the matriarch of my mother's side of the family, my mother's mother family. And, you know, she she just, she worked hard and she owned the things that, you know, her home, for example, or her homes, for example, that, you know, in the time that, you know, she she came up in, which was a feat in of itself coming up from North Carolina, sharecropping, um, you know, as a, as a younger person and coming up with my great grandfather and, 
you know, working for the school district and owning her own homes and being able to take care of generations of her family. Um, and so when I thought about, you know, that sort of um, model and way of life, I, I wanted to, you know, name it in her honor. So Pearl's Girl Productions. So, you know, Pearl apostrophe S, girl, that's me, Productions. Um, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm working on a website, working on all the websites. I, it's me and the design. It's the back and forth, honestly, with the designs. Like I want my personal portfolio and website to, that's going to get revamped soon. But right now it's, it's not under construction, so you can tap in. <laughs> but I want the designs to feel like what I, what I, envision the companies and the businesses like and like in my personal portfolio I really want to be more reflective of me as an individual artist and so I'm working on the on the website designs and I probably need to that's probably something else I need to hire some people for um to really work on and do uh I always got jobs listen what do you, I, I don't got the money just yet <laughs> but listen if you ever looking for a job and starting out okay I got plenty of work for you <laughs> um I am Right now, I'm fortunate that uh, my short film is called Return To. It's an experimental short documentary about um, my own journey to um, discover my lineage and, and ancestral heritage. I'm just doing film festival circuit right now. Um, tomorrow, it'll be <laughs> premiering at the BPHL Film, Fest uh, BPHL film Festival, which uh, the film festival is a part of the larger BPHL Innovation Festival, a really dope new festival in the city, bringing together makers and creators and innovators and, you know, new tech startups and, you know, all sorts of, of people who are moving and shaking in the city of Philadelphia. Um, and so, you know, check it out if you if you can. Um, my film will also be showing in uh, the Black X Film Festival, which I believe will be happening mid-October. Um, but as far as the, the meat and potatoes currently, um, I am presenting another short film that I directed and produced from a screenwriter in Virginia, older gentleman, um, reached out to me a couple of years ago about wanting to produce this film. I read the script, I liked it. And so, you know, decided that it was gonna be the first project that I took on uh, with my production company that I didn't write. Cause I usually don't like to direct what I, what I didn't write. Um, and so, but I wanted to challenge myself and see what would happen and, you know, see what it would be like to be producing other people's work while I produce my own work. Um, that was outside of my normal friends or collaborative group and so um and so yeah that after two years the one whole year during the pandemic one and a half years during the, <laughs> the pandemic um finally that film will be premiering here in philadelphia october 21st at the ritz east theater in downtown philadelphia so it's going to be fancy fancy uh, you know, we're going to have, you know, so to come to get your photos taken, you know, enjoy a nice theater. It'll be probably actually only the third time this year I've been in the movie theaters. Like since in Philly, they kind of opened up in the summer and there's only been a couple of movies that have gone to theaters because a lot of stuff is still going straight to video on demand. So, but I always like going to the movies, so I'm going to go to the movies. Um, but you know, it'll probably be my third time this year going to <laughs> going to a theater to enjoy 
some actual cinema and um, yeah it'll be one one of the films will be mine it's called a cold kill but i'll be presenting with two other black independent filmmakers um, and we'll be presenting it under our collective hub, which is uh, called Three Piece Pictures. So Three Piece Pictures presents our three films, mine being a cold kill. You go to Eventbrite, you look up Three Piece Pictures, you should be able to find it. Uh, but yes, October 21st here in Philadelphia at the Ritz East Theater. I'm so excited. It's be my first time showing the film at a theater. I've done <laughs> showcases in the past. I've done screenings in the past. I've done you know, film festivals in the past, but usually they're at like, you know, schools or arts venues, smaller arts venues, or, you know, just sort of set up places, but full-fledged movie theater, this will be my first time out. So yeah, I'm excited where ticket sales are alive. So <laughs> excited. We also are giving people the option to tap in virtually because we do understand that, you know, as much as we all want to run back out and, and be around each other in person that, you know, it's definitely still, you know, we have to be cautious and, you know, some people aren't comfortable with it, which is completely understandable. So we do have the option also when you, you know, go to the ticket link or, you know, look us up on Eventbrite, you have the option to tap in virtually. And so, you know, you'll be, you'll receive the link and you'll be able to watch the films for, you know, 40 hours sort of rental, sort of blockbuster um, model, uh, you know, wanting to bring bring that back a little bit and keep some things alive. I miss going to Blockbuster and places like that though. That was like a whole of it. Like the end of the week with my parents and my family, like going in, oh, what movies are we going to get this week? Which VHS tape? And then DVDs for a little bit before it fizzled out. So anyway, miss those times. But yes, that's what I have going on. There's, it was a handful, a mouthful. <laughs> I'm also going to link it all in like the show notes so that people can go there and it'll be like Ooh. Instagram, everything, all of that, all set yes. up Thank so you. that it's super easy to find. <laughs> um, but that's so, I'm so happy for you. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It's, it's been, I can feel in my body how. <laughs> How, how much work it's been but you know it's it's, it's all right it's, it's work that I that I love to do I think that's that's the best thing we can do for ourselves and life is just you know find what we love to do go after our dreams or what we feel like we're purposed and intended to do and you know work hard at that you know be exhausted for the right reasons you know be right. tired behind doing what you love and do what you, doing what you're passionate about and doing what you feel like you purposed and intended to do so I'm not upset you know I'm tired <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not like I, I worked so many regular jobs. I used to just I had I've had every job there probably is. I think the only thing I didn't really ever do was like food service. Oh, but everything okay. else, I've done everything else over the years. I've done <laughs> so many things. I like started a movie theater. I worked the floor in concessions at a movie theater in New York, which was eye opening. It was my first right. job in New York. It was. I'm sure it was. It was something <laughs> back when minimum wage was like eight dollars an hour. And yes. Like, oh man the worst I'm sure I was there like I worked like the Hunger Games opening and then Fifty Shades of Grey opening and then like Fast and Furious 7 or something oh it man. was it was a, it was a time I love <laughs> but yeah I'm sure I think like I agree like I've worked so many jobs and like it's hard to tie yourself out on like a survival job and you're so tired you can't get to the things that you really want to be doing but yeah. like tying yourself out a little bit to a point yeah. but knowing when to stop yes 
Yes, for sure, for sure. That's that that right, and that's important. We talked about that already. Yeah, it is. You got to find that balance. But yeah, no, it's just it's funny too because it's like you just you just don't you really just don't feel like that. And it's I just I know I I had so many of those days where it would just be like, you know, it's and you have those days sometimes now where you know you question everything and things get challenging and you're not sure and doesn't seem like certain things are working out so you're trying to you know just fight to make sense of like everything that's in front of you and you can feel like tapping out you can feel like giving up you can feel like you know I'm, I'm done I'm too tired but then I just remember it's like I think what's been good for me and you know if you don't have the feature turned on on your phones or on your devices you probably should I think the memories uh, feature has helped me a lot this last year because I didn't realize, I don't think, I really wouldn't have paid attention to the fact that 2016 was five years ago unless I was kept getting all these memories all this year. So, so, um, but I just, I was still working my last day job at the time. And I just remember, it's funny to be able to look back at that because it's like, I remember being like, this is what I want to do. What I'm doing right now, like I wanted to do that. And it just wasn't the time I didn't have, you know, it just wasn't time yet. It just wasn't time. I, I won't go into it. It just wasn't time. Um, cause I am a, I am a, a fervent believer, believer in that now that, you know, everything happens in its own time when it's meant to happen. Um, and I just remember being so tired and having to get up so early for that job and being emotionally drained by the end of the day and having so much going on personally with people, you know, people in my life. And I was just like, but one of these days I'm not going to be, I was sitting in that <laughs> cream colored office with no windows and dusty desk. And I was like, one day I'm going to be doing what I'm doing, you know, full time and I'm going to just be making it happen. And this, and, you know, turn around, I'm making it happen. I don't know how. <laughs> Some days no, I, I don't, don't know how. question it. <laughs> I'm like, I always, I'm like, I'm like, I'm grateful for it. But if I start looking into like trying to find a reason why it's happening or how it's right. happening, I will like talk myself into some like really weird place that I should right. not be <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's it's all, uh, you know, it's good to be able to reflect and to be able to, um, you know, just just look back on things. And I think I think that's the one thing about getting older that I didn't um, really like envision. Like, not again. I don't talk like I'm so old. I'm 31. Uh, but, you know, because <laughs> because sometimes I'll say these things and people are like, oh, you talk like you, you know, middle-aged or something. Yeah, I'm like, I know, I know. I'm I'm still young, depending on who you talk to. You talk to people, you talk to kids, actual kids. Uh, yeah, they don't, exactly. they don't feel talk, like that. Yeah, but, no. <laughs> I'm like but, Asian no. in comparison. Right. Exactly. People who are like 12 and they're like, well, how are you still alive? And I'm like. <laughs> Basically, I'm, right? Like, I'm like, No. <laughs> excuse me right like uh I'm, I'm in my 30s thank you very much but um but yeah I think I think that's the great that's the great thing that I just didn't foresee as a as a younger person because you're just drag getting older you know it's like oh I'm gonna turn 30 and you know check out or something like you know but it's just like that. I don't know it's just ridiculous because I remember being like that as a kid too you know it was just like 25 was so old when I was like nine you know and then I would turn 21 and I was like it's not it's not that old because it's coming up for me <laughs> but uh you know it's just being able to reflect and 
being able to see like the errors in your ways as a young person and being able to see and be okay with like how things went and why things didn't work out a certain way and why things went a certain way at, at you know, an earlier point in your life. So, so yeah, it's, 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 it's good to be here. Um, but thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so happy that you, you wanted to be a part of it. I was like, yes, please. Yes, for sure. I was like, yeah, we ended up, you know, making a connection through Luminary. Shout out to Luminary. Luminary. Like, I don't know if they're going to be listening to this or have a way to (laughs) plug, plug in, you know, but, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad you reached out to me and we've been able to, you know, like correspond. It seems yeah. like, you know, we're in a lot of similar places with yeah. our with our work, um, yeah. which is hilarious. I don't often run into, you know, That's women trying I- to start out running production companies, which is funny. So. That's what I was saying as well. I like, came across it and I was like, wait, it's like someone who knows something, like, <laughs> knows like what I'm going through. I love <laughs> Yes, yes, I do. I do. I know. I, I feel you, you know, sending you all of the good things because yeah. I understand <laughs> I understand every day is it's 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 a challenge but, it's a thing you know, you know we get through it that's yeah it's the life we chose <laughs> did we choose an easy road <laughs> no. No. I does it been... always make sense absolutely not no. Yeah. no I'm so happy that you came on and I'm so excited for all the amazing things that are happening and Yes, thank film, you. It's so exciting. I haven't been yet back to a movie theater yet. And like, yeah. now I'm yeah, got to go about open. needing to go. <laughs> and if you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. got to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.